Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, queridos. Welcome to Hello Latino. It's your girl, Odalis Jasmine. And today's guest is Marina Moreno, a beautiful soul, y'all. She's a third-generation Mexican Native American. And I know I usually have first gens on here, but Marina's story is so beautiful, so dope. I had to share this third-gen narrative with y'all. Marina is a poet, author, and speaker, primarily touching on love and grief. We'll hear more about this in the episode. She's the author of Soul Investigation and Bobby Zion's focus on self-acceptance and navigating through grief. When she's not working on her book, she's out in her hometown of San Fernando Valley teaching writing workshops for at-risk teens and young adults. Hope y'all are moved by Marina's words, story, and spirit. totally bumming it so I'm just looking at myself bumming it right now <laughs> we're good <laughs> Do this. um I'm again happy belated birthday Thank Virgo you. Virgo mommy Virgo yes. queen yes that is I and I is she no it's funny because I recently I don't know how I found this out but I recently found out that the majority of my family like my immediate family mm-hmm. are Virgos I think that's and really like, cool what? yeah I remember you mentioning <laughs> but I it's weird because I feel like Virgos and I don't know, I don't know too much about signs and the way like things like I'm a very spiritual person, but I don't know much about like the signs, the, the characteristics, but I genuinely like vibe a lot with Virgo people. And I don't know if it's because we're very similar or just they're really easy people to get along with. I can't date Virgo yeah. men, uh, <laughs> but I, I do enjoy their company and I do enjoy other Virgos and, and things like that. And Libras too, maybe because we're so close. Yeah, I need to do more research. I've actually Same. tried to make a conscious effort to like do more research on these signs because, yeah, the majority of my family, they're Pisces and Virgos, which is so interesting to me. Very. And then my brother and I were the youngest and we're the fire signs. He's a Sagittarius and I'm a Leo. Oh, and see, we're earth signs. So it's maybe that's why because we're very grounded. And, and so we just mm-hmm. kind of like mellow out a little. Maybe that's why you but you have some Virgo in you, you mentioned. So. It's, I'm a Virgo rising, which I, I guess means that's that's how people perceive me. Mm-hmm. They think I, I don't that. see Leo. I can see that's so that. Interesting. Do you you know Emily too, right? Emily Rodriguez. Yeah, we met uh, when I was I used to DJ, and so she DJs, and that's how we met. And we've like, Virgo DJs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's super cool. She's super nice, and she's like we've connected at many different shows and stuff like that. She's a really really cool girl. So. I like her. Oh, she's yeah, that's my mm-hmm. she's my my Virgo friend for like from like a long time. She's so now I have another one. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you, girl, because I have been following you for not that long. Mm-hmm. We got connected by a mutual friend. Shout out to Monica. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember her saying like 
you two should collab, do something together. And I yeah. was like, I'm here for it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a chance to meet any Latina, a chance to hear more about their story. Like, I'm always here for it. And Thanks. I remember seeing your spoken word, I think. You you posted a video of you reading oh, a poem. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I think it was about being a mom, mm-hmm. actually. It was. It and was. I was like, oh, this girl's amazing. Oh, and writing is you. one of my, like, passions when I'm not when I'm not doing all of the other things, you know, like when I'm yeah. just by myself journaling, writing poetry, like that's my, that's my shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like writing helps you get everything out. And that's beautiful. It makes sense for you too, because you, yeah, you are a very good speaker. So it makes sense that you're also, you know, a writer too, because you have a good way of articulating the way you feel. Oh, it's taken me a long time to get there. <laughs> you're good. It's taken me a long time. But yeah, I remember hearing that one about being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. I love being a mom. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm curious. I, I'm segueing a little bit, but let's talk about you being a mom. Yeah. I'm, I'm a mom. I became a mom very young. I became a mom at 17. Um, so it was very, obviously wasn't planned, but I say that in a good way because my son literally changed my life. I was in a really bad relationship, Mm. really toxic relationship. Um, And I, I found out I was pregnant just as I was finally finding the courage to step out of the relationship. And then when I found out I was pregnant with my son, that was all I needed to hear to finally take that, you know, major leap. Uh, But yeah, it's been me and my son since you know, I was 17, 18 years old and he is 11 now. He just started middle school and that's my best friend. I mean, it's so funny because we look like we're brother and sister because I'm, I'm fairly (laughs) petite and he's like super tall, like he's getting tall for his age. So it's, it's just so funny, but I mean, we've definitely grown together. I feel like he's showed me a lot about myself, you know, what I can and can't conquer, but more so what I can conquer, like just as a woman, as a mother, as a Latina, and really like breaking ground, um, especially like, you know, in the Hispanic culture, because as welcoming as our families can be when we, you know, bring life into this world, it was also very hard because I was the first person in my family to be a teen parent. So it was, yeah, it was hard for my mom to grasp. And I'm the youngest and the only girl out of five. So I have four older brothers and yeah, it was a lot, <laughs> but, um, I'm yeah. very fortunate that my family was very supportive and very loving and they still very much are. So I love being a mom. It's, it's everything to me. It's a big, big part of what I do. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm excited to hear more about that whole journey, but first I want to start with a question that I start every episode with. And I think it's just a very powerful thing because us Latinos have, a lot of identifiers, right? Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. say Hispanic, people say Latinx, people say Latino, Latina, Mm -hmm. um, or they go by where you're from, right? Brazilian. So there's a lot of identifiers, but how Mm -hmm. do you identify and why? Um, I guess the way I define myself is as a Latina. I mean, you know, I'm very, very much supportive of people using Latinx too as well. but I'm a Latina. I mean, it's I'm mixed. So my mom's side is is the Hispanic side or Latina side. My mom's a very you know strong Latina. So I take a lot from her. So I feel like that's why I identify myself as that um, because in many many ways I'm like my mother, and that is just one strong, very brave Latina who 
stands up for herself and, and does what she wants and no apologies, you know, no explanation, just, just gets it done. So, and then what's your, what's your dad's side? Uh, Native American. So my dad's side oh. is Apache Indian. Yeah. Like full blood. I have family and a reservation and everything. So yeah, my dad's side is, uh, is Native American and they hold a lot of pride in that too. It's a very interesting mix. And some people are like, how did, you know, a Mexican American and a Native American get together and make a baby, but they did. And I'm thankful <laughs> for that. How was that? Did you grow up with both sides, both cultures? Um, I didn't. I grew up with my mom as a single mom. Um, but my dad's side, I, I don't have a relationship with my father, but I have a relationship with my uncle on that side, which is his brother. And so he's done a very, very good job of like really telling me about my culture and about my family on that side and just, you know, the meaning behind um, being Native American. Because my mom's side, it's, you know, I grew up with them. So they that's a given, you know, they've already made me feel proud in that sense. But with my dad's side, it was a bit of a struggle because I didn't know any of them. Uh, but my uncle, you know, he did a really, really good job. And it's, I, I see a lot of that in me as well. Just the culture, the way that we look, you know, um, the way that we act as far as being proud of ourselves. Um, and it's, it's crazy because as a Latina, and like I mentioned about my mom, and she's very proud in who she is, but so are Native mm -hmm. American people. And we're very proud, we're very strong, we're very bold. So I feel like I have a lot of that. Mm, I can see that in you. <laughs> Thank Both. you. Both sides. Thank you. Thank you. And it's crazy because I'm a very mellow person, very chill, but I'm also very like, you know what, Marina, you did that. And here are your flowers <laughs> and smell them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, before we go into this conversation, there's already so many questions circulating. I'm like, oh, there's so much I want to know about you. Um, but I want to start with your poetry because you have a poem that you said creates this safe space. And I think yes. what better way to start this conversation where it's all about you and your story, your Latinidad, your background, like what better way? <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> so um, there is a piece that I've written that I like to read whenever I speak to, you know, students and whenever I just speak to friends sometimes um, to create a safe space and let the person that I'm speaking with know that it's okay to just not be okay and you're safe with me and you're safe in this world. And the piece goes, if I could, I would give you the eyes of all those you have touched. When you look through them, you'd see that you are not defined by your mistakes, but instead by all the good that you have done. You'd see that you are only a drop of your pain and a cup full of love. You'd see that you provided strength to so many, even when you were praying for answers as to why you felt you had none. Your life has always and continues to serve a purpose to more than just one. Please don't give up. You're going to be okay. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I was closing my eyes. I was like imagining it. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you. Well, I think then we can go into who you are, you know, your story. I always like starting from the beginning because... I'm a big believer in we are a makeup of not only our experiences, we are a makeup of our families, right? Of our yeah. of our ancestors. And it's it's all a part of us. And sometimes it can be traumatic, sometimes it can be very beautiful, sometimes both. And so I always love starting from the beginning, like what is your family's immigration story? And then we can kind of go from from there. 
Okay. Sounds good. So, um, my family's immigration story, I'm actually third generation. So my, uh, great, great grandparents, um, you know, this has always been an actual struggle for me. And I'm really happy that you asked this question. Um, because I lost my grandparents and my great grandparents very young. So I didn't really get a feel much for their story of immigration. And my grandparents, when I did get to know them, my grandfather, he was a very, very stern man. He, uh, you know, he joined the Navy when he got out here because his his father, which is my great grandfather, uh, being an immigrant was very hard on him about being a man out here in America and, you know, mm. being a provider and and just being brave. So my grandfather joined the Navy uh, really young, married my grandmother uh, really young, at like uh, maybe maybe like in her teens or like as soon as she turned maybe 19 years old. Um and they just kind of made a life, but I feel really bad that I never really got to know their story. And I never really got to ask my mom because my mom, you know, was grieving a lot. And so it was a really touchy subject for her, which we'll get into mm -hmm. is a lot of who I am, which um, circles around what I do now, um, you know, grief and, and things like that. So it's hard, really hard for me to answer that question because I am a Latina, but I do feel like a struggle in a bit because I don't speak as much Spanish as I would like to because I wasn't around my grandparents that much or, you know, that long, I guess I feel like, or my great grandparents. So I don't feel like I'm the only one who's in these shoes either. I feel like there's a lot of us oh, no. who kind of struggle to identify with like our Latin roots because of that. And we feel mm -hmm. like a sort of shame, but I don't think that we should. And so I'm really happy that you asked me to be on this podcast because I am a Latina, but I'm a different type of Latina that's not so different, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Girl, I need to quote that. But it's so true. There's so many people who feel that way. Mm -hmm. And there's like this whole side of Latinidad that often go unnoticed or are not looked at and not considered as part of the table because they are a couple generations in or they don't speak the language as well or like things like that where I'm like I see my nephews growing up and I hope they never feel that way like I mm -hmm. hope they're never excluded from these spaces that are for Latinos because they are Latinos it's in their blood definitely same and it's it's interesting because not too long ago I had an, an opportunity for it was they wanted someone of color and so I didn't feel like I could have take on the opportunity. And I had a friend of mine that was like, Marina, what are you talking about? Like, you are a person of color. And I was like, I know, but I guess for a long time, I never felt that way. Because like you said, the, the seat at the table, it was it was there, but I was always like, may I sit here instead of, hey, I'm going to sit right here. Okay, because I know that I belong here. And so yeah, it's always been an interesting thing. And when you say about your nephews, I feel that way about my son. And my son's other half is, you know, a whole different um, he's he's Hispanic, but he's half Mexican and half Salvadorian. So, and he's very much aware of his culture, which I've made a huge, huge like priority for him to know where he comes from and and whatnot. And he speaks both languages, which is pretty cool because, like I said, I'm not as sharp as I would love to be on my Spanish, but I love that 
he does have great grandparents on his father's side. And so they teach him and they remind him, you know, that this is part of your roots and, and this is who you are. So he's all about that. And oh, I'm, I'm very proud of him. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and what a great mother to make that a priority for him. Thank you. Because a lot of, I feel like a lot of immigrants when they come here, um, they're taught to assimilate, right? Like they're taught yeah. to fit in. So sometimes that means I'm going to teach my kids English so they never have to struggle in school or I'm going to teach them yeah. American customs so they're never, you know, it, that's a big part of the immigrant culture that, you know, yeah. they have to deal with. Yeah. And it erases so much of our ancestors, who we are. And everyone goes through a point in their life where they're like, who, who am I? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where do I come from? Oh, yeah. I know I've been through that. And that's, again, the, those were the series of things that made me want to start this podcast. But I love that you're representing these third generation Latinos who are Latinos. You know, we are, yeah. we are all hello Latino. <laughs> yeah, we are here. It's in our blood. It's, here. Our, it's our way yeah. of being and our characteristics and it's literally in our blood. It's it's embedded in us. Yeah. And it's a very, very proud culture. But yeah, my family's extremely proud. And you proud. have Native American in you too. Mm-hmm. And it, that's yeah. another sense of pride. Definitely. Definitely. Super cool. Well, let's talk let's talk about your mom. So she is your your direct, you know, Latina mm-hmm. influence. Yeah. So let's talk about your relationship with her and maybe you can talk about, you know, where you grew up and definitely and how you grew up. Just all of that. I'm so curious. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I was born in Pacoima, California, um, which is a city in the San Fernando Valley that doesn't have the best reputation um, when asked about, but I, that's where I'm from. And, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I hold pride in where I'm from. So I, I was. Why does it have a bad reputation? I don't, I don't know. Oh, okay. So Pacoima has a really bad reputation just because it's like very gang affiliated. Um, It's very violent. There's a lot of going on all the time since I was a kid up to, you know, present day. There's just a lot that happens there. It's a very much a survival city, but it's also a very cultural city. Um, I, I loved, I loved it. I mean, there may have been a lot going on, but I never felt that way because it was where I was from. It was what I knew. Um, right. And I didn't, I didn't see it as bad. And so people that are from there that are from Pacoima and I have a handful of friends, they're very proud of where they come from. They're very proud of the people that come from there. And actually a lot of people who immigrate here uh, to California or to the SFV, the San Fernando Valley, immigrate to there. So they co- they go to Pacoima because there's such mm-hmm. opportunity there, which is ironic because it has such a bad like rep, but yet you will see so many family-owned places, family-owned restaurants, family-owned mechanic shops, family-owned flower shops, everything. And it's such a beautiful like city, despite you know its its reputation and despite the activity that happens there. But yeah, that's where I was born. I was born in Pacoima, California, the 818. Uh, grew up all around San Fernando Valley, uh, San Fernando. I now live uh, in Somar, California, which is still part of the San Fernando Valley. So I'm a valley girl. I grew up, born and raised out here. Um, my family's from out here. Um, I, you know, I grew up around lowrider oldies and that whole, you know, Chicano culture and, and Latin culture and whatnot. Um, I was raised by my mom, a single mom of five. I'm the youngest and the only girl out of those five. Um, I learned a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh, I learned a lot from my brothers. Um, 
but I also learned a lot from my mom. Um, my mom and I, growing up, we were very inseparable. Uh, we butted heads mm-hmm. a lot when I was a teenager because I challenged her a lot. But I think that happens a lot with you know our generation now is just we're trying to figure ourselves out. And I tried to do that at a very, very young age. Um, I challenged my mom as far as not giving her problems, but just I wasn't the normal, you know, girl. I I didn't, you know, want to get married and have a family super fast. I had dreams that I wanted to fulfill. I had, you know, I was happy all on my own. And I very much enjoyed my own company at a very young age. And my mom kind of worried for me because she was like, you like being by yourself a lot. Like you like just reading and and hearing music and things like that. But I did. Um, and my mom got even closer because uh, I'm sorry, my mom and I got even closer because when I was eight, uh, my brother, my oldest brother died. So my mom uh, mm-hmm. suffered a loss, a loss. Uh, no, it's all, it's, it's, it's all good. My brother is, you know, he's in a safer place now, I feel. And at that time, it was very challenging for my family. Um, but it also brought us closer in, in a sense because we now knew that we needed each other more than ever, but we also needed to be there for my mom because my mom, being the strong woman that she was, wasn't strong anymore. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you fix that? You can't, you know. How do you be there for somebody who's been there for everybody else? So it was it was a lot, um, and even to this day, my mom and I we're super close. Um, I take care of her now. She's getting older, which is a very bittersweet thing, you know, seeing your parents get older. But I take care of her now and I love her and she's super proud of me um, despite everything I put her through at a young age. Um, I think she gets it now, which I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm so sorry about your older brother, but I'm glad you 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 say that he's in a safer place now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I can... I can't even imagine. I'm sure that had a huge influence in your family and even what you do now. So how, what, what is that? What is that transition line of when your brother passed away, taking care of your mother, going through that grief together, becoming closer as a family to, to what you do now? For sure. Um, when my brother passed, it, it opened up my eyes to what grief was and also the importance of mental health. At that time, I didn't know what mental health was. I didn't know what grief was. I didn't know what a lot of these emotions I was being exposed to were. Um, you know, in in a I guess a Hispanic or Latino household, you don't really talk about mental health. You don't really talk about things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you kind of just deal with things, and in the best way. You know, your parents teach you to keep going. To keep marching on and you know don't let anything or anybody get you down so when we suffered the loss of my brother it really brought a lot of things into perspective for me and naturally I'm very much an observer um, I'm very observant of my surroundings very observant of people body language energy things like that that's a Virgo in you <laughs> that is it has to be the Virgo in me <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so funny because I don't judge people. I just very much people watch no matter where I am. It could be the grocery store. I'm just very like, okay. Yeah. Um, but after, yeah, after my brother's. It's probably the writer in you, honestly, though. 
true because I've written about people that I don't even know at like coffee shops and stuff. And just, Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're thinking as they're sitting across from one another. Then I write it down, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's very much become the writer in me because again, going back to, to that situation, um, it opened up my eyes to writing the loss of my brother. So it's weird because his loss was also a big, a big gain for me in finding out who I was and what I was meant to do. Uh, My brother and I had an extremely close relationship. I mean, he was the one person and still is very much the one person who makes me feel like I can do anything in this world. And he would tell me that all the time, like you can do anything, you can be anything. Don't, you know, don't get involved in dumb things because you're meant to do something in this world. And, you know, I was eight when he passed. So I didn't really know what this meant. I was just kind of like, okay. But he would tell me all the time, you know, don't let anything get in your way. You could do it. You could do it. You could do it. So when he passed, writing was how I healed. And writing was how I dealt with things. Writing was how I ironically talked about what I was feeling inside because I couldn't go to my mom because she was grieving as any mother would losing a child, but let alone your firstborn, this this person who was yeah. helping you, you know, in life, you know, with not just raising your brothers and sisters, but also just, you know, being there for her, I think, through everything that she went through as a single mom. Um, so I couldn't talk to her because I didn't want to make her, you know, feel worse than she already did. And then I didn't talk to my brothers because again, they had this mentality of like, okay, we just got to hold it together for the family and we got to be strong. And, you know, we don't talk about that and we don't cry and, and we just move on, you know, what, what's next. And no matter what generation Latinos are like that. <laughs> very much. Yeah. Very, very much. And I'm trying to break that with my son now, but yeah. that's how I grew up and that's how my brothers grew up. So me being the emotional girl that I I was and, and very much still am, I didn't know how to deal with this sadness, with this just mm-hmm. depression at the time that I didn't know it was depression, but I didn't want to do anything, you know? Um, and, and my brother's loss is very tragic because I saw it happen. So I was there when everything happened with him. And so that I, I replay that night a lot in my head and I don't, you know, when I, when it happened, I would replay it almost every night as a kid and I would cry and I would, you know, then pull it together when I was in front of my mom. But yeah, his loss really helped me deal with. You were eight years old. I was eight. Yeah. I was eight. Yeah. And, um, and it was, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like even now I just had a conversation with my mom, maybe about a week or so ago, finally, um, now at 30 years old about her finally being able to heal because my mom held it all together, you know, after she got through that, you know, very dark stage, um, she was able to climb out of it and find a reason to be here. She just kind of marched on and took care of us and kept raising us, but I don't think my mom ever grieved. So now that I am a writer with an emphasis on grief, love and grief, I think my mom feels a lot more comfortable coming to me about her own grieving process that she's still going through, you know? Um, so I, I, I thank my brother, um, even in this life that he isn't physically in, I thank him for giving me the strength to 
you know, be there for my family and be there for so many other people who need this conversation opened up for them because it's not one that we have every day, especially, especially as Latinos, we don't have this conversation every day. So I'm very fortunate that I'm able to do that for my culture and, you know, other cultures and my generation, the younger generation, older generation. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh my God. Talk about healing though. Like that is such a a thing that we don't do. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there's always the first in the family, right? That's trying to break that that generational trauma, that's trying to heal, that's trying to heal what's happening, what has happened, you know? And like I'm hearing your story and I'm like, oh God, I want to know more about it. And like, you know, just an eight-year-old, I can't even imagine you being in that shoes of, you know, you say you're an observer, but having that observation of your older brother who is still your driving force definitely to just be like taken and seeing him transition like I can't imagine what that experience is like but being able to write and heal I think that mm-hmm. is such a powerful thing because thank you I can relate to that I can relate to healing through writing because that's we went through homelessness for about six months my family um, and I and it was the same situation I'm the youngest and everyone was just like out of their element emotional and so me being the youngest I'm like I have no right to say anything like I have no right to say how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and so my way of healing was the same thing it was just writing because I'm like doesn't have to make sense to anyone else but me exactly exactly. (laughs) and that was that was the way I healed but again I I'll go into this quick segue and then we'll come back but I recently had an episode with my brothers and that episode, I realized that my brothers have not healed from this experience yet. An experience that happened about 11, 12 years now, like it happened years ago and opening that conversation with them, you can tell they still have not fully healed from it. You know, the tears that were coming out, the, the painful memories that they were like hesitant to share. I was like, wow, like our families don't have a space for this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our our people, right? Our people of color don't have spaces like this. No. And it's, it's just because, again, it's not that our family like shames us for it. We're just never introduced to it. We're just never, you know, asked about, well, how are you really doing? You know, or it's okay to cry. It's we're told at a very young age, like, don't cry, get up, come on. You know, you fall down. It's like, get up, hurry, hurry up, get up. Don't cry. You're fine. You're fine. And so we think that and we just, especially for your brothers, I feel like as men, it's kind of like, why are you crying? What's wrong? Come on. You don't do that. We don't do that. Wipe those tears. It's okay. It's okay. But sometimes, no, it's not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to cry it out a little bit uh, because you've been through something. And I think that people have to realize that like when you've gone through something, you've gone through something and it's okay to to be sad to be mad to be angry you know there's a difference in feeling it and there's a difference in living in it and if you don't feel it and allow yourself to feel it then you're going to live in it and moods eventually become behavior and you don't want that to happen so i girl (laughs) say that again (laughs) i'm telling you moods become behavior and that's a huge thing it's a huge huge thing and that i'm learning because it does. And so I don't let myself bask in moods and I don't let myself swim in, in these, you know, quick emotions and these moments of just, you know, tragedy because I don't want to feel sorry for myself all the time. And I know that I can get through it 
because I am capable. And I think we need to tell ourselves that more because we're not told that enough as kids. And so we just don't, we don't know what's happening when we're kids. We don't know that we're not being told these things, um, but we are, you know, and if we're not literally being told, we're being shown these things by parents. And I, I my therapist mentioned a really good thing because I was having a really bad day one time and she's like, did you cry? And I said, well, I did, but not in front of my son. I just, you know, I cried when he went to sleep and she's like, you need to cry in front of him. And I was like, what do you mean? I did no, I don't want him to see me like that. She's like, Marina, you need to normalize for him that it's okay to have a bad day and that it's not always his fault for you having a bad day. He needs to understand that you going through something is not his fault. And as kids, you probably thought a lot of why your mom was mad or upset may have been your fault or you may not have known at all, but she was just going through something. And since she couldn't heal you know, the way she wanted to, maybe she projected that energy on you. And maybe that's why you're so anxious all the time. Maybe that's why you're feeling the sense of guilt for certain things in your relationships, you know, romantic or platonic. And I was like, hi, oh, yeah, yeah, lady. I was like, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, are we done? Because <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, telling my whole business and, you know. Yes, but it's things we need to hear, right? It's Definitely. things that help us grow. Exactly. And I hope that you remember to give yourself your flowers because you going through that, it's a very traumatic experience, you know, and I'm sure now in the back of your mind, you just constantly tell yourself, I don't want to be in that same position anymore, which is probably why you work so hard now so that you don't mm -hmm. fall into that. Okay, really then, Marina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything, yeah. everything connects. Everything, connects. everything connects. No, it's it's wild. I've I've you know it's it's been a, it's been like two years of me really like learning about myself. I've always distracted myself with relationships, with jobs, with you know like being involved with just all the things like you said, working hard, right? Because I had that one thing in the back of my mind, like this is what I don't want, so I'm gonna work every single day to not have it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I want stability, right? Stability in everything. And I was realizing that I was so on the go, go, go and trying to control everything from relationships to family to jobs to like every little thing in my life that I was like so lost. I was yeah. like, who in the world am I? <laughs> without, all it, yeah. without everything, like who is Jasmine? Who is Odali's Jasmine? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because you get it, but you don't know who you are. So it's how do you enjoy it if you don't really know how to enjoy mm -hmm. it? You know, you got what you wanted, but I'm I'm really right. proud that you're taking this time. Yeah, and one thing that I've I've had to learn, and that I'm a big proponent of, is I used to hear this all the time when I was in college. Was like fake it till you make it, and I thought that was a real thing, like fake it, fake it. Until I realized, I'm like, this is actually hella toxic. Like, why are we faking it? Mm -hmm. And like, what are we trying to make? You know, like, where are we trying to go? Exactly. And even if I like, quote, unquote, make it, I don't want to be someone else while I'm there. <laughs> that is a beautiful way to put that. That is, you should say that again. <laughs> that is no, but it's so exactly true, right? True. Like, yeah. no, very true. Mm -hmm. very so true. true. But I want to talk about you being a mom, you being a young mom. I feel like this is such a beautiful thing. Like I admire mothers so young. I even look at my mother. She's been a mother since she was 19 years old. 
and she's 61 now and she has not stopped. <laughs> yeah, you don't. She's like, you'll understand when you have children. Um, she always says that to me. You'll understand. You'll mm-hmm. understand. But talk about being a young mother um, and how that experience was in your family. Oh, I love being a mother. My son is my world. That guy is my purpose, my reason, my everything. Um, Yeah, I became a mom at 17. I was two months out of high school. And it was August 25th of 2008 that I found out I was pregnant. And the reason I remember that date is because it is my brother's birthday. So it's crazy because I found out that I was having a baby on the day of my brother's birthday, which is, you know, my brother who I was closest to. So yeah, it was, it was surprising for my family because as the youngest out of five, my brothers kind of did what they had to do to get out of high school and just kind of be family men. I was the one oddball out of my family who again challenged my mom in many ways and I was the one who was looked at to be the successor so I had this pressure to you know go to college Mm -hmm. and and become like a nurse or even a doctor of some sort um, because I was the one with good grades I was the one that got all the awards I was the one in the magnet program the honors program I was in journalism I did everything I was a cheerleader my whole life like I was that girl you know And so my mom, you know, after I graduated, her thing was, okay, so now you're going to go to UCLA and you're going to study medicine and this is what you're going to do. But she had a whole plan. Oh yeah, she did. You know, but surprise. Um, I had met my son's father while I was in high school and we were together. I wouldn't say we were high school sweethearts, but we were together in high school. And yeah, that relationship was very toxic. So my mom was already not a fan of the relationship that I was in. And she didn't know, and I'm going to be very honest with you in this, because I feel like this happens more than it's talked about. um, And it should be talked about. And I feel like young men and women should be reminded that it's okay to to leave. Uh, But I was in a very toxic relationship. Um, I was in a domestic violent relationship with that person. My mom had no idea. My family had no idea. Um, They just knew that I was with this person and they didn't like him for some reason. So when I found out I was pregnant, my mom was just very sad because she knew that I had my whole life ahead of me. And I remember my my mom's exact words after we left that doctor's office, because I was in denial, but my mom also being an observer, she was like, no, 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 you're losing weight. You don't look good. Um, You're not eating. You look sick. I'm taking you to the doctors. And I'm 17. So she can do that. You know, I'm not 18. So I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. So I went to the doctors. um, And she's like, you know what, I'm not dumb. I knew you were pregnant because I have five kids. I know what this is. But after we walked out of the doctor's office, she was like, were you going to call him? And I was like, yeah. My mom was mad, but also sad. And then she broke down. She started crying. She was like, you know, you know, Mika, it's, I'm not mad at you. I just, I'm disappointed. And I'm not going to say that your life is over. It's just things are going to be a lot harder now to do what you want. And I was like, I know, mom, like, but, you know, I don't, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a mom. 
So she's like, yes, but you have so much still ahead of you and I hope that you still do it. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I was just scared. I was, I didn't know who I was at that time. I, all I knew was the survival mode because I was trying to survive this person being with this person who was violating me and taking so much of who I was, you know? So I didn't have my identity anymore. I had given it up to this person just so they would love me, just so they would accept me, just so they wouldn't be mad, just so they wouldn't be angry. And I will never, ever do that again. And when I found out, you know, I was going to have a boy and I was like, wow, you know, I was raised by boys pretty much. So my son came in this world, uh, six pounds, nine ounces, head full of hair. And I just, I, I looked at him and I was like, wow, you know, I'm not going to fail. That's what I told him. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you down. I may have done a lot of wrongs. I may have, you know, derailed a bit, but I'm not going to do you wrong. I remember like telling myself that in the hospital bed. And I feel like my son and I have been through a lot um, together, navigating through everything, you know, as me finding myself and him growing up. And I give my son a lot of credit and I hope that he always knows that. And I try and remind him as much as I can to an 11 year old boy, but (laughs) he has been there for me through a lot. And I don't know if he always knows that, but he has really given me the courage and the strength to see who I am, you know, this woman, what I'm capable of. And I give him so much credit for being patient with me because I'm still learning. And I was learning at 18 years old. I was learning at 19. You know, you said your mom became a mom at 19. That's a lot because we don't know who we are. And we talked about faking it until we make it. And we did a lot of that. You know, as young moms, we do a lot of that. We fake it. We act like we know what we're doing, but we don't. And we just hope that it works out. And I think parents at any age, we do that. We just hope that it works out for our kids because we so badly don't want to fail. And I Mm -hmm. so badly didn't want to fail. I still don't want to fail. Um, For my mom, I think I've proved to her that I will not fail. Uh, My brother's the same because my brothers were very disappointed in me um, when it happened because it's, it's crazy because my family was disappointed because they, they knew that I had so much going for myself. So they were disappointed at the fact that I had possibly given so much of that up to this person, not from, and by saying this person, I don't mean my son. I I mean, my ex, you know, his father, I'd given so much up for this person and they had seen it in my body language and who I was and my personality. And then now, you know, my life because I was dedicating my life to being a mom. But now my brothers are like, damn, like you did that, you know, you, you are a mom and you write books and you teach classes. And also on top of all of that, um, I don't know if you know, but I actually work in an ER too. I work in an emergency room trauma unit. So they're like, you work at a hospital and you do all of this. (laughs) Like, how do you do this? And I'm like, you know what? You just do it. You got to do what you want. And don't let anybody stop you, you know, like do it for your family, take that risk. And I feel like a lot of first generation um, Latinos and Latinas is we struggle with that because our parents don't understand it. They don't understand what we're trying to do. They don't understand what being an artist means or, you know, being a musician means or 
you know, being a writer or being a speaker or anything like that, they don't really get it. Um, it's kind of like, well, um, where's the money? How much are you getting paid? Where are the benefits? Right. You know, can you make a living off of this? Like, it all comes down to money <laughs> all the time, and I get it because they struggled, so they don't want that. They didn't come here for us to not have a stable life. They didn't come here for us to not be financially okay. They didn't come here mm-hmm. to see a reflection of themselves. So I, I understand where they're coming from. And I understood where my mom was coming from when she was so disappointed in me because she was a single mom. And I think that my mom saw a lot of me in, or saw a lot of her in me. And mm. that kind of just like brought her down a little because she wanted more for me. But now I think that as she sees me grow up and she sees me do what I do, she's kind of like, you got this. I was like, I told you, mom, you know, but you trust me. <laughs> I've been telling you. <laughs> yeah, you got to trust me. And I think that's a big thing is getting our parents to trust us, to love us and to just support us. You don't have to understand it, but just support me. Just be there for me. Yeah. And some parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Okay, you you do your little radio thing or you do your little writing thing, you know, okay. Yeah, but I think like more and more we are becoming like, it's like we're almost these like co-teachers, right? With our parents, like they Mm -hmm. teach us so much and they taught us so much throughout our whole lives and they continue to do so. And we get to an age and maybe it's even younger than that. And they teach us some, you know, we teach them a lot. Oh, yeah. But I've had that conversation with my dad before where it's like, He's like, you know, like you with this whole podcast thing, he's like, it's really cool that you're capturing these stories. He's like of our people, mm-hmm. you know, of like of, you know, nuestra cultura, like nuestra raza, our, our people. Mm-hmm. And when I first I remember when I first came up with the idea, I was actually here at home and I like it literally, you know, just it comes. It's like writing, like things just come to you in random ass times, like you're in the shower, you're mm-hmm. eating, like yeah. <laughs> you get these random, just yeah. like these random spurts of inspiration. Right. And that's kind of what happened. I like had I always have these conversations with first gens, with Latinos, with, you know, everyone in our in our group. I've had these conversations where it's just like different topics like healing, mental health you know, the immigration story, like there's so much, right? There's so many stories. And as someone who loves writing, someone who loves stories, you can relate to this. We love stories. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, is there a podcast about this? Is there a podcast about like these stories? And I was really into podcasts at the time. So mm-hmm. I was like looking at these different podcasts, trying to look for what I was, you know, what I created and I didn't see it. So I was like, well, I'm gonna do it. Good for you. <laughs> But, you know, my my dad and I were having this conversation and he was like, you teach me a lot. And I was like, what? You guys teach me a lot. And it was just like really, really mm-hmm. cool moment of my dad, you know, out of all yeah. people, verbal man. <laughs> yeah. He was like saying that to me, you know, it didn't happen. It wasn't like a deep conversation. And that's happened before where he's like, I'm very proud of you. But this was a moment where he was like, I learned from you. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah can, can you say that again? <laughs> I feel like when when they tell you that to like Latino parents, it hits very heavy because mm-hmm. it's just like the I, I feel like the courage it takes for them to do that, especially men, to say like mm-hmm. I am proud of you, I recognize you, and you are teaching me. That's a very prideful thing, and so to put the pride down and say that that's huge of your dad, and that's compliment mm-hmm. to you and as you should receive that because what you do what you're doing really is beautiful 
It's you've created this platform, this avenue for not just yourself, but for so many people to tell their story and to share, you know, their experiences. And it's a beautiful, I, I love it. I, I keep saying beautiful because it's truly beautiful. I think it's amazing. Oh my God. It's an honor for me, you know, just to hear these stories, like hearing you, I'm like, I'm, I'm learning from every single person that is on this show. I'm learning from you right now. And I'm just like, damn marina like how did we not know each other before like that's how i feel every person i'm like why aren't we best friends like we should have been hanging out a long time ago but yeah i agree i i love i love hearing this story and it's really true like you know talking about latinos talking about our culture like men especially and again this is not i don't think purposeful it's not meant to like do anything it's not meant to harm but i think latino men are really trained to just like hold it together don't cry don't be vulnerable don't again like you said don't let down your pride and it's like it's also on the flip side though for being like children of of immigrants children of latinos or people who have struggled that didn't have this like amazing privileged life but Mm -hmm. people that you've seen work hard tires tirelessly like every single day for what they have For them, like, I don't know if you felt this, but from my seat, like, I always felt like I had to be perfect for them, like, never have them worry about me, never have them, like, you know, be financially independent so they don't have to, like, think about, like, you know, y la niña, they Mm -hmm. call me la niña. Yeah. But, you know, like, everything I did, I was like, I just want to, I want their approval. I want, I want them to be proud of me. I want, and it was like, very much that, like, I'm being really real. Like, it was very Mm -hmm. much, I want my parents to be proud of me because this is what they work toward right but also at the same time what I've discovered recently is I want to be proud of myself as well you know exactly I think it's crazy because like we do think that we think like we have to be perfect for our parents and we want them to be happy but I feel like many times if we're chasing their happiness it's not that they're never going to be happy because they don't want to be happy for us but they're always going to want more for us But their ultimate goal is just for us to be happy. You know, they may judge us. They may say little smart remarks. My mom makes smart comments all the time. You know, like, I don't don't know. She does things and I'm like, okay, mom. She's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, that's all. I was like, goodness gracious. But it's just because she wants me to do more and more and more. And not that she's never happy, but it's just like, I want you to be happy and even if I don't understand it, but hey, you know, like my mom won't always tell me all the time, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of your books. I'm so proud of this. But when we get around family, she will be like, oh, did you know that, you know, Rena did this, Rena did that. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) that happens a lot. Like family, family reunions, when their Mm. friends come over, I, that's when they brag about you. Yeah. And I'm like, where was this when we were, you know, having breakfast this morning? Like, where is this coming from? How did that teach you, though? Because you are a mother. Mm-hmm. Do you tell your son often, like, I'm proud of you? Or, you know, like, what are things that you've had to pivot, shift, or oh. things that you continue to, to do with him? Man, it's definitely um, shifted my way of raising him. I'm raising him very different than how I was raised. Um, And not because I don't like the way I was raised. I just feel like there's, we're living in different times now. 
Um, and going back to mental health, it's at an all-time high. And I feel like the younger generation, they're living in a different world, a very fast world, a very very visual world. And I say that because of the social media apps that we have. And so I feel like I need to be there for my son emotionally more. And also just because of what we've been through together, um, you know, not just being young as a parent, but we went through a lot with his father. And, you know, his dad was the epitome of a Latino man, you know, never saying I love you, never saying I'm proud of you, always being hard, nothing was ever good enough, you know, my son played baseball and it was always, you know, you didn't do this, never good game. It was very different, very hard for him to express how he felt for my son and to be, you know, I don't, I, I, it's a, it's a tough conversation to have, but with my son, him and I, we're very open about our emotions. I tell my son, I love him all the time. I ask him, you know, how his day was and actually sit there and listen to it. Um, you know, when he's having a bad day, I listen to him. When he's having a hard time in school, you know, I tell him, take a step back, breathe. I've also, you know, introduced my son to therapy. So he's gone to therapy to understand what he's gone through um, at such a young age between, you know, court situations with his father and I, um, you know, dealing with separated parents and, you know, the back and forth weekends. I feel like that was very heavy on him as a young child. Um, so I introduced therapy to him at a very young age to let him know that it's okay to talk about how you feel and it's okay to be emotional. So I don't ever make him feel like how he's feeling is wrong or I never dismiss it. I do my best to listen, but I'm also very stern. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm easy on him because I'm not. There's there's a lot of things that don't slide. And a lot of the way I grew up, I still implement that into my parenting now. But I'm very much, you know, open to emotional health. And I think that's helped his relationship with me in seeing that he can trust me and that I'm not going to ignore, you know, these feelings that he has or just say, hey, you're just a kid. You don't get it or get it together. Mm -hmm. Come on, you're 11 years old. How hard is it? But it is kind of hard. I feel like being a kid now, I couldn't imagine even being a teenager at this time. I just, mm. gosh, you know, <laughs> it's totally different. It's night and day. So yeah, I feel like yeah. emotional health is important. I do my best to to teach that to my son because again, as a man too, I want him to be able to love a woman someday and really love her in all aspects, you know, whether she's having a good day, a bad day, but also for him to be able to communicate how he feels when it comes to loving somebody, um, you know, if he's having a rough day, not to take it out on his better half, but to let her know, hey, I'm having a bad day. It's not your fault, but I'm just going through something and let me have a minute to myself. I want him to know why he says I'm sorry. As a kid, I said I was sorry for things I didn't even know. Everything. Yeah, I <laughs> said it because it made things okay. You know, it made my mom feel good. It made her happy. It made her forgive me and it made us forget mm -hmm. what we were mad about. I don't want that for my son. I want my son to say he's sorry and know what he's apologizing for and know that it's sincere. So I teach him like little things like that because I know one day he will, you know. Your wife is going to thank you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I just want him to be happy and healthy and whoever he's with, you know, to be able to pour into them um, in the healthiest way possible. So I, I'm trying to start young because before I know it, he will be dating and um, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, no, but it's, it's, such, it's a very, I love that you think about your son as a whole, you know, like you Thank think you. about him in the future. 
with a wife, you know, in a relationship, you're, you're thinking of that already. And you, you mentioned a couple of things that I think happens a lot in, in Latinidad. It's like, one, you're a boy, don't cry. Or you're just a kid, you know, you're not a part of these adult conversations. Or there's a lot of that, right? And it, mm-hmm. again, it's not the way that I always saw it growing up. And I understand it more now is that they're trying to protect the kids from whatever situation they're going through. But what I'm realizing more and more, the more time I spend with my nephews who are freaking so smart because they have access to all this technology now. Yeah. But what I'm realizing is that they're so intelligent and they pick up on things, whether or not we include them in adult conversations or not. Oh, yeah. Girl, I knew what I knew the shit talking that my tias were having about each other and they thought I did it. And I'm like, you guys know you're not that quiet, right? Like you're not that discreet. I know that you are. You don't like this tia and this tia doesn't like you, but you, you guys cook menudo on Christmas Day. Like I don't get it. I don't get it. But yeah, kids are really Girl. smart. <laughs> <Girl>. <laughs> I'm having so many flashbacks to like our family parties. I'm just like, man, y'all were fake. Like I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, how did you not get down to this? Come on like <laughs> yeah but it's so true right they think they're protecting us or that we don't see they try to put on a brave face like yeah. you know whatever it is like and we we know mm-hmm. we just know Definitely. um and so I love that you again see your son that way holistically mm-hmm. um where is he by the way is he there no he's not here he uh went to my brother's house hit him and my brother are fairly close my brother's is Nino so my brother's his godfather and so he went over there for the day um, he's like, can I do my Zoom class over there? I was like, sure. My brother, he has a daughter. So my brother uh, likes spending time with my son sometimes, get some guy time in. So they spend a lot of time oh. together. <laughs> yeah, he's over there right now. But he's he's funny because I'll tell him that like I'll do like small interviews or I have a class to teach. And he's like, okay. Like it's his normal. And I think that's super cool that he, it's just what my mom does. And I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, so cute. Well, I think this is a great, first of all, just thank you for, for sharing these stories. Thank you for sharing about being a mom, about being a Latina, being a third generation Latina. I'm so thankful. I've learned so much from you. And it's crazy. Oh. I want to point this out because this is the biggest lesson I'm learning from you right now. That no matter the generation, a lot of these things still happen like Latino things, right? Mm-hmm. These Latino customs are, and again, it's like proof that our ancestry, what's in our DNA is so strong that it does translate oh, generationally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for opening up the conversation because it opened up my eyes to, you know, like hearing your story and, you know, about you and your brothers and your mom and your dad, like, that's really cool to me because we're not so different. And in general, I think that's important for people to remember is, we're not so different. We're very similar in many, many ways. And especially with us in our culture, we're extremely similar. So let's work together, you know? I know I literally, when I tell you that I'm so proud of being Latina, like I mean it to like its core, not even just being a Honduran, you know, Honduran American and representing Catrachos, which is, you know, people from Honduras, Mm -hmm. but also Latinos are so beautiful just the 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 mix of again it's the mosaic of us right yeah like we are beautiful we are diverse we have different accents and we Mm -hmm. are different and beautiful so again it's capturing that that beauty yeah the inside and out too my favorite thing about like the culture is just the the boldness the bravery 
you know, the I'm here and this is me. I think it's like how you mentioned, we are all united, but we all like may look different. You know, maybe we may act a little different, but when it comes down to it, we are here. And I love that when you walk mm-hmm. in a room, that presence is felt, that energy is felt. Yes. It's so that passion. Yes. That's a huge thing. Definitely. That's my favorite thing. I think that's the one thing I've learned from my family is to always have passion and passion is shown differently. You know, like some are outspoken, some are heads down, some are just, they're just like you said, bold. You said that at the beginning, like bold. And I think every, especially immigrant culture, like the freaking cojones it takes to come to a country. That's the thing. It's like, girl, we we worked hard to get here. I'll be damned if you tell me that I'm not going to, you know, touch the sky. That's the thing. And that's what our parents teach us is like, we worked hard to get here. I'll be damned if you're not going to be somebody in this world. You be somebody, you do something. And if your family needs you, you be there for them too. And you do it together, but you don't, you know, you don't back down and you keep going and you love yourself and make us proud, make yourself proud, make your culture proud, make your grandparents proud, your ancestors proud. Yes. We just, you know, we didn't work this hard for nothing. So you're going to do it. Yes. Like, yes, I am. Snaps, snaps, snaps. But I want to touch on one thing. It, it, this is my favorite segment, by the way. This is my cafecito and chisme portion. And the reason it's my favorite is because we've learned about your story. We've learned about who you who you are. And like, I know I've learned so much about you. And this portion is really about, okay, let's talk about what you do, job, job-wise, um, passion projects. You can talk about relationships, the chisme there, <laughs> anything you want. Um, but I really want to know what you're up to now, though. You know, like job-wise, I know you do a lot, but give us the rundown of what your day looks like. Oh, my goodness. All right. So what I do... Well, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, and I'm also a semi-teacher. I teach workshops. Um, So I'm a writer with an emphasis on love and grief. That's primarily what I write about and what I teach about when I teach workshops. Um, Right now, with, you know, everything going on in the world, I teach virtual workshops. But prior to and, you know, moving forward once this all wraps up is I teach poetry to at-risk youth here in the 818 in the San Fernando Valley. Um, so these are kids who either dropped out of high school, fresh out of juvenile hall, or come from, you know, mm-hmm. homes in which their families, you know, they have a parent that's incarcerated or, you know, whatnot. Um, so I teach writing workshops to them at a cultural center in Canoga Park. And then I also teach writing workshops to people of my own age group. So I do that mainly online. I teach them how to use trauma, um, as a form of healing. So we talk about, you know, things that we've been through and I help them put those experiences into poetry. And then we share it at the end of class um, in hopes that, you know, one day I can turn all those pieces into a book. That's ultimately what I'm trying to do is give these people, you know, kids and, you know, my peers a platform to share their story. But, you know, that's, that's future, future talk, hopefully near future. Um, and I also, yeah, I work at a hospital. So that's also a really big part of what I do. Um, I've been working in healthcare for maybe almost eight years now. Um, and I say this to say because I work in healthcare to help people. And many people question why I work in such a crazy environment after what I've been through and after what I've witnessed with my brother. 
but I do it to help people and to get to know people. And you really get to know people when they're at their worst and when they're at their most vulnerable. And so I meet a lot of patients every day, uh, some who are very open to me, some who are very closed off. But either way, I take away from people and I learn about, you know, what they're feeling, um, what they're dealing with. You know, I deal with families who have lost you know, somebody, my patients can lose their life and I'm talking to their family and that's a crazy experience in itself. But I take that away and I, I put that into my writing and I just put myself in their shoes. But yeah, my, and then on top of all that, I'm a mother. And so I do the usual. I, you know, I teach my son his math and his English and I, <laughs> you know, cook dinner and I, I'm there for him in the midst of all this. But uh, yeah, it's, I've written two books. I have a book called Soul Investigation, uh, which is an emphasis on self-discovery and self-acceptance. And I also wrote a book called Bobby, which is dedicated to my brother. So it's a book that's uh, all poetry-based. It's open letters and poetry to my brother. And it's aimed towards helping anybody who has lost somebody. So it's a book about grief and just kind of walking people through it, but in a beautiful way, you know, just openly talking about our angels and speaking to them. So I've done that. And I am currently writing my first hardcover, solid, solid book, which I hope will be done, done by the end of the year. (laughs) It's been such a process with that because I've just been learning a lot. I mean, we talked about learning about ourselves. I've been learning a lot about myself um, relationship-wise when it comes to men. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Deep breaths. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Deep breaths. Girl. But I, that's an important thing, though. You said something really important. You've learned a lot about yourself when it comes to relationships. And I think yeah. that's the one part that I've learned is like, whoa, this relationship stuff, like dating and all of it, you learn more about yourself than anything else. Yes. And yes. it's wild. It's wild. And if you're anything <laughs> I've like I've had to me, call myself out so many times that you have no idea. <laughs> do that. Do that. <laughs> Hold yourself accountable. I mean, if you are anything like me, I love love. I'm such a lover. I'm such, as tough as I try to be. And as much as I'm like, girl, you don't need him. I'm more like, wow, but love is so beautiful and love is so rare. And um, yes. yeah, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. I am so all that. And it's, and it's so funny because my mom calls me out on it all the time. She's like, you act like all tough, but I know that you secretly mm-hmm. want love. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't need no man. <laughs> right? I don't need no man. I, I get what I want on my own. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I don't need no man. I'm good. But no, I mean, it's not even like the the chase of like, I just want a boyfriend. Like, no, it's not even that. It's like, I love being able to show love on people. Like, definitely, yeah. I, and, but that's also the scary part, you know, jumping into relationships. That's also one of the scary parts about being in a relationship for myself is that I give so much. Mm. And sometimes mm-hmm. I overpour and I don't know how to balance. Oh, girl, you are, you are preaching to the choir here. <laughs> Yes, I'm the same. I, I'm a giver. I love seeing people happy, especially people that mm-hmm. I care for. I love it. It fulfills me. And it may sound cheesy and it may sound cliche, but I get joy out of seeing people I love happy. And that's a gift and a curse when it comes to relationships, but it'll definitely be a gift when it's to the right person. But 
I mean, I don't know if you can vouch for this too, but I've felt like it's so much of a curse to love so hard because I haven't really experienced that healthy love yet. You know, I haven't experienced the love that somebody loves me that like somebody wants to pour into my glass. Like I'm usually the one pouring into these cups that are, you know, half full for them, but half empty for me. So it's like, girl, (laughs) I'm trying to literally reach because I I can relate. You know, I have yet to find and I'm in no rush for it because I'm like, I know it's going to come when it comes. But no, I haven't had someone pouring that much love into me like I have into other people and it's really like it sucks because I feel like I would overcorrect for them Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if they Mm -hmm. were giving me the love that I needed to feel loved and I know it sounds weird but like everyone loves differently and everyone shows love differently everyone gives it differently everyone receives it differently Mm -hmm. and that has to totally vibe like if you think you're giving me love but I don't feel love then it's like what's going on here like there's a there's like loss in translation right Mm -hmm. and maybe it's just not the right fit Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes like what would happen is they'd not you know my glass like you said would be half empty but I would try to give more and more love thinking that they it's a sign for them to give me more yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah instead of voicing like this is what I'm feeling it's like well I'm just gonna keep pouring love on you until you give it to me (laughs) right like maybe maybe if I keep giving them this then they'll give me some of that maybe they'll catch the hint that like I need a little more if I give them more attention maybe they'll give me more attention or maybe if I give them you know more of their flowers they'll give me more fine but in the end we're just like we don't communicate like that way we communicate through our through our love language which is our body and our you know our way of giving um in a physical form usually but very rarely do we open up our mouths and say hey look i need more time with you or we need to do something or something's not right here. you know we i know i don't do that as much i'm just like it's okay like it's cool you know it's fine they'll they'll love me I don't have, know. You, have you looked into love languages like do you, are you a big believer in that uh, I believe that people do have um, different ways of loving and different ways that they want to be loved. Um, I don't, it's still a foreign language to me. I don't really know how to speak it, I don't think. Um, I'm yeah. learning because I think that I, it's so, wow, that's such like a crazy question. Because I kind of let people be who they want to be. And I don't really try and decipher things. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I feel like then I'm looking too deep into what doesn't need to be looked at through a microscope. Um, I don't want to, like, read too deep into love. I don't know. I don't – I'm sounding crazy. And I know love does people, but I just – I get it. I get that people want to. No, that's something I'm trying to learn is I look at everything under a microscope because I'm just, I'm always looking for the why, the deep, you know, the deeper reason. I'm like, okay, I wonder why he's not doing this. Or I wonder what, you know, I look too deep into it. But then the problem is I get too focused in the things that don't matter. I was so just, yeah, I was gonna ask I get you, it. do you ever find yourself in trouble because of that? And like talk about self-sabotage. Like that is a real thing that I'm still learning. I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm, I learn more about myself when mm-hmm. I'm dating, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, wow, I'm really, 
I do have some toxic behaviors that I need to like calm myself out on, or there is some things that I don't want in a man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you, you learn, right. You learn mm-hmm. with time. So yeah. I love <laughs> and relationships have taught me a lot about who I am, but they've also helped me with my writing. So a lot of these guys who felt like they were mm-hmm. doing me wrong or they got the best of me. I'm like, eh, no, I got the best of you because you guys <laughs> helped me out. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, love is a crazy thing. And I feel like it's, it's something that we all need. You know, I feel like there's everybody for somebody and we need love in more ways than we think we do or than we want to believe. Um, and we just got to, you know, love people in an honest way that they, who they are, you know, not try to change people, not try to make them who we want them to be. Because mm-hmm. when we do that, then we end up creating this person that we thought we wanted but that's not really who they are. And it's like, well, why aren't you like this? Well, hello, I wasn't that person when you met me, but you know, it's, you tried really hard to make me into this person, but I told you from the get go that I was not this person. So that's why I let people be who they want to be. And I just kind of take it from there. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think this is going to work for me. And I'm too old to try and change anybody. I think I'm not yeah I can't I can't heal you and I I remember I told this to a guy one time because he was going through something and he was like wow but you're so easy to talk to and I think that like I don't know you're helping me like get through like this situation like he just got out of something and I was like yeah he's like we should we should hang out more and kind of leading into that conversation of like maybe we should talk you know on that type of level and I told him, I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm here for you if you need to talk, but I'm, I'm not the one for you. Like, I can't heal you and I can't fix you. I feel like you need to do that on your own. And I'm sorry. And it may sound really bitchy, but I can't help you heal, but I can help you enjoy the person that you're becoming. And I can help you enjoy life while you figure it out, but I can't fix you. And I'm not going to do that. You shouldn't look to anybody to do that. Not even me. I'm like, <laughs> girl, you are literally like, I'm so ready for this book. Like, when is it oh, coming girl, out? I, the day. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That is such a powerful thing. And like, even talking, like our conversation has been really centered around healing, right? Mm. And I think that is such an important thing. And, you know, one of the things that my my family always says, because Latino families, y el novio, right? That's a big yeah. thing. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Like, I don't even know if I'm ready to enter a relationship because right now I'm still learning so much about myself. Mm-hmm. And to even like think that way as someone who loves love, you know, someone who is like, and I, I love that storybook romance too. Like, I, again, it's the writer in me. It's I, yeah. I read too many books. Like <laughs> I believe in the whole like you know we we will like find each other when we find each other. So many type of love like mm-hmm. that is like. But at the same time, like I need to learn how to be my own soulmate right now. <laughs> yes, beautiful. <laughs> how to show up for myself yes. because again, it's like you pour so much of yourself into another person, and I have done that. I did that, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go back. Good for you and. <laughs> You saying that and you putting that out there and you making that a priority, making yourself a priority, that's going to bring you the healthiest love, you know, and sometimes we wonder why, why haven't I found this person? You know, I'm such a, I'm at a good place in my life and I know who I am. Yeah. But that's also like a blessing is that nobody's come in your life yet because maybe nobody fits that for you. 
And better yeah. that they don't enter right now and ruin this piece than to come, Girl, and, you know, cause right. a damn storm. Like I'm like, don't ruin my aura right now. <laughs> good, good. I'm so proud of you for putting yourself first because a lot of people won't do that. They'll look for that in a partner. And it's like, eh, no, you got to love yourself. It's cliche, but yeah, how can you love anyone? I had to learn the hard way. Don't we all? <laughs> but it was a great lesson. It was a great lesson. Yes. I'm thankful. But I'm so, girl, thank you so much for being on this show, for telling us your story, your life. Like, I'm so inspired by you. Thank and you. Thank you. I feel like we're, we're friends now. Like, we're BFS Oh, girl, now. yeah. We're, yeah so- we're good. We're solid. <laughs> We're, yeah, we're good. definitely. You better text me or FaceTime or whatever. I'm, I'm in San Diego. <laughs> oh, I was just in San Diego like a few weeks ago too. It was like a real quick back and no forth. Way. But yeah, if I would have known, it would have hit you up. Like I went to the beach randomly. <laughs> I love it Next out there. Time. I love it out there. Yes. You will have a place to stay. You are always welcome. Oh, we're going to be out in the dark, girl. We're going to be yeah. boring. Yeah, it's too short. We got to live it. I love this whole conversation. How can people connect with you? Like, is there a particular, like, do they hit you up on IG? Like, where can people connect with you? Yeah, people can find me on Instagram, on Twitter. It's the same, um, same at or same username. So it's at Moreno. So it's my last name, M-O-R-E-N-O-X, Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A. Again, that's on Instagram and Twitter. Even SoundCloud, if you want to hear some random mixes I make, you can find me on SoundCloud. Uh, my website is the opposite, so Marina X Moreno. Um, there you can contact me um, if you're interested in a workshop, if you're interested in working together. Um, you can also find out what I'm doing or where I'll be as far as virtually right now. Um, you can find out where I'll be virtually. Um, you can also purchase my books, both of which are sold out right now, but I'm hoping to get some more back up. So working Ooh, on that girl. yeah Old out. <laughs> and then uh, you know connect you to whatever i've i've been speaking on them including this podcast so i'll include a link to that um yeah let's chat let's let's heal together so one last thing before we end this conversation and i love this part because i think it's powerful but we close with a brindis um with our cafecito of course i don't know if you brought something you know i have water because i was up with some tequila and squirt yesterday so i'm drinking <laughs> water tonight or today right now talk about healing your yeah. body <laughs> um, to it too. <laughs> um but we close with the brindis even though you did the brindis last night but <laughs> we'll close with, yeah, some, with some water and cafe uh some cafecito but this this brindis is special because it's not just a cheers right but it's also manifesting some good for our community for our latinos so what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for our community i want to cheers to life to being here to being present to marching on another day even when it's hard i want to cheers to having the courage to be exactly who we are when we want to be, to loving, you know, to accepting loss and still loving again for my community, for my people, you know, here in the 818 and just in general as Latinos, Latinos, Latinx, be proud. We're beautiful. We're bold. We're strong. We come from a line of very, very brave and courageous men and women and carry that with you because it is who we are and it is our backbone and it is will get us through anything in life. So 
cheers to that cheers to that girl snap salute yes take it down you did that last night Muchísimas gracias for tuning in. If y'all want more of Marina's words, good vibes, connect with her on IG and Twitter at MorenoXMarina and check her website out, MarinaXMoreno.com. And also make sure to check out her books. All right, so story time. I recently purchased some bomb hoops from Shapu Seed. For all my fellow hoop lovers, jewelry lovers, visit this small Latina-owned business, Shapu Seed on IG or visit their website. If you decide to purchase a regalito for yourself or tu ama, use my 15% discount code, Hella Latinat. Big shout out to my sponsor and partner, Rise On. Make sure y'all sign up with them, follow them on IG, and visit riseon.life. Manifesting more healing, más paz, and spiritual wellness para la comunidad. Stick around and hear a message from Chris Gates, co-founder of Rise On. Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Rise On. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rise On is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on.